Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Welcome to our fitness family around the world, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Idea Fit Pro Show. I'm your host, Sandy Webster, and I'm very excited to jump into our conversation today with Stacy McCarthy, an all-around champion in the health, fitness, and wellness arenas, who recently was named the 2021 Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year. Stacy has been at the forefront of yoga, fitness, and health for more than 30 years. Through her business, Yoga Namastacy, she's developed a collection of best-selling online videos, books, and trainings, and has contributed her expertise on yoga and health to countless media outlets and conferences. An award-winning health and fitness leader, accomplished businesswoman, speaker, and respected educator, she's been recognized time and again for her contributions to the field of health and wellness as a seasoned mindful movement educator and integrative wellness thought leader. She has taught tens of thousands of students and mentored several hundred teachers. In addition, she is a professor of yoga studies in MiraCosta College's kinesiology, health, and nutrition program. Stacy's professional tenure in health and fitness includes stints as chief operating officer of Four Frogs Athletic Clubs, Southern California director of fitness programming for Club One, a partner in Beaming Superfood Cafes, and a consultant to numerous yoga studios and fitness clubs. We have a lot of ground to cover with Stacy, so let's get right to it. Welcome, Stacy McCarthy, Yoga Nama Stacy in the house. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Sandy. We go way back, and I'm I'm so excited to be here. I feel I, I've done a lot of podcasts recently, and I feel like this is really home. These are my people, right? So I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time today and for joining us. Um, just as a way of of leaping in and getting started, I know so many fit pros have taken your sessions at idea events and probably outside workshops that you've offered over the years, but there are always new listeners out there. So for their benefit, would you please start by giving us a high level view of your professional fitness journey, which I, I know has been very long and storied, <laughs> but it kind of the cliff notes version. Um, how did you arrive? where you are today. Well, I'll, I'll share a fun story with everybody. And this will, this will give you a timeline because as you said, I have been in the industry for a long time. I was in Colorado um, on the swim team going to college. And one day the coach uh, came out and said that the pool pump was broken and we're going to do dry land training. Now we had just come out of the locker room, Speedo swimsuits on barefoot, but cap and goggles on. And we're like, what, what are we doing? And she said, we're doing aerobics. And so she <laughs> stuck a cassette tape in a boom box and she started jumping around, calling out jumping jacks. And, and then she started getting fancy with step touch and grapevine. And I felt like I had two left feet, like I was a fish out of water, literally. But at the end of it, I loved it. And the next day I changed my major to exercise physiology. 
And when I graduated, I heard about a, a job, a new gym opening up in San Diego that was hiring aerobics instructors. And so I packed my bags, drove from Colorado to California, and luckily I got the job. <laughs> I got the job because I had that degree, um, not much experience. And this was in the early 80s. So two weeks after being hired, the manager called me in his office and uh, he told me I was fired. <laughs> and I was fired because I was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. And after all, why should I had only taken one class barefoot on a pool deck. I had no idea. I had no dance experience. I had, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I really loved it. And so when I was leaving the gym, something caught my eye on the table. I picked it up and it was a newsletter by IDEA, the International Dance Exercise Association. And I looked at it and I thought, Oh my God, there was things about exercise and, and moves and, and exercise to do and not do and how to put your classes to music. And I'm like, this is a miracle. And I had just read this wonderful book called The Alchemist. And in that wonderful book, one of my favorite books, it said, when there's something you really, really want, you just have to look for the signs because the universe has your back. And so I took that because that was my sign. And that was my beginning with idea way back then. And through the years, I, I went on to run group exercise programs. I uh, helped uh, with a chain of health clubs in, in San Diego area and Orange County area and became the COO of that, that club. And throughout the years, uh, I would continue to teach all the latest trends. And, you know, again, the, the step aerobics and the slide, if anyone remembers that, and hip hop. And, and in the early 90s, I discovered yoga in 1991. Mm -hmm. And I brought yoga into our group programming. And I never looked back from then. And, and that's led me really into being a yoga specialist up to this point. So that's kind of the, the very cliff notes of a, a very long, long journey. But it's been fantastic. And, and yoga just really touched my soul. And I knew that's what I was meant to do. Yeah, well, we're definitely going to dig into some of the, the details today about your career and you know, thank, thank goodness the alchemy of the universe brought you the idea letter because without it, we might not be here talking to you today. And so it's so strange how those things happen in life. And to be open to those signs and signals, I think, is really important. So as I mentioned in the intro before the show, you were recently named the 2021 Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year. Um, first of all, huge congratulations on that accolade. Um, if, if you would, please describe what the award means to you and how you plan to use your platform to elevate your, your message as a wellness educator, a yogi, and a fitness pro. Gosh, that's a, that's a tall order. But I think the first thing that the award did is it validated that I was on the right path. I mean, as we talk about that, the universe really has your back if you're looking for the signs. And it, it was really validation that I was on the right path. And this is what I was meant to do. And that, you know, this is I, I, I got the award just weeks before my 60th birthday. And so for that, I just want everyone to know that you're never too old and it's never too late. And so often, especially in fitness, there is a 
there's a big emphasis on appearance and how your body performs. And, and so as we age or as you've had injuries, things can change. And so really for my platform, I want people to know that your body is going to change. Things are going to happen. There's going to be trials and tribulations as we've all been through um, over the last year or so. And, and that, there's still, there's still so much you can do. In fact, the award made me realize that I'm just getting started. I may have been in this industry for almost 40 years, but I'm literally just getting started. And, and that's really, you know, my message is that it's, uh, it's never too late. There is so many people out there that need you and, and want you to share your knowledge. Yeah, Stacey, I can so relate to um, the just getting started statement you made. Um, I just celebrated 20 years, that idea. And I come to work every day and feel like, wow, there's still still so much left to do. Um, and it keeps me excited. It keeps me engaged. Um, and so I really can relate to that sentiment. Um, I think most people in the industry identify you first as a yoga expert because that's where the greatest concentration of your work has been. So let's start there. Um, and I wanted to ask you, um, when you got started um, in the early 90s with, with yoga, particularly um, when, when yoga was actually, the popularity of yoga was booming back then in the early or the late 90s to the early 2000s, I think many yoga teachers uh, started creating unique variations of traditional asana practice. Um, you also have contributed to this body of work with your own trademark intelligent sequencing, which is designed to meet participants where they are. Um, first, let's talk about the style of yoga you teach, um, what makes it unique, and why you believe people respond to it. Well, I'll go back to a little bit of my history. So I, I did start yoga. So I, I took my first yoga class actually in the eighties and I didn't like it at all. I thought this isn't for me. I was still in kind of hardcore fitness and uh, no pain, no gain, you know, the Nike way of doing things, just do it. And it just wasn't for me. And, and, and then I really met a teacher that made all the difference. So that was really my beginning. And, and that teacher had a way of, bringing the intensity that I was used to of movement into the practice, but in a way that uh, was more than just the physical. So I brought him into our clubs to start teaching. And this was in 91, 92. And, and yoga was not in clubs at that time. Hmm. And so it was, and he was a very traditional teacher in the Ashtanga Vinyasa method, where we would chant at the beginning of class in Sanskrit, and this was in a health club, and people were like, what the heck? Nobody was coming to class. They were like, what is this? I was begging everyone, please come. I know this is going to catch on. I'm sure this is going to catch on because it had touched my soul. And, and sure enough, over time, it did catch on. So I was taught very traditionally, and in the Ashtanga method, it's, it's about working from the inside out. It's about using your gaze, your focus to stay in the present moment. It's about internal locks within the body and it's about the use of the breath and specific time-tested practices that really connect you to a deeper part of your inner self. So I began in that, but what I found is that system um, was pretty strict and there were six series and the first series, the beginning series was more difficult than almost anybody could do. It was mm. very, very challenging. And mm -hmm. it, it was just, it was more than 
uh, more, more physical than most people wanted to do. So um, I started there and I learned so much and I actually studied with Sri K. Patabi Joyce, who was the founder of it and who's from India, from Mysore, India. And I've really got really strong roots in it. But I discovered that teaching people that there was all kinds of misalignments and injuries happening. So I got very deep into a style called Iyengar, which is very prop based. It's very therapeutic. Mm hmm. And so I learned a lot from that. And then thirdly, I learned from Vinny yoga. And this style of yoga is designed from uh, rather than the yoga, uh, rather than you adapting to the yoga, the yoga adapts to you, mm. which means in any one class, you may see many people doing many different things. And then finally, from someone named Indra Devi, who was the first woman actually allowed to go to Mysore, India, to study with the teacher that trained all of these people. And his name was Krishna Macharya. And he's really the father of modern yoga, of bringing the asana, the postures into the modern world and making a little more emphasis. So he was Ashtanga, Iyengar, Vini Yoga, and then Indra Devi, the first feminine to, to be a female to be able to do this practice because women weren't allowed to do the practice then, right? So to have a woman actually be able to do that practice was unheard of at the time. So I take those four prominent teachers and I blend that really into my style because mm -hmm. I'm a female and the practice was designed for men. And I want that, that, that level of the female body also. So I call my style of yoga is an alignment based practice that meets students where they're at. So everything's worked from the ground up and then we progress from there. And it's really appealed, I think, to a lot of people because it's safe first but it's also very soulful. And, and I, and my, my philosophy is really, if I can't keep you safe in your body first, why would you ever, ever trust me with going deeper into your soul and deeper into your, your spirit? So I, I had the unique position, I think of having a degree in exercise physiology, um, working in the kinesiology, health and nutrition department at a college, and then the yoga studies to go with it, to really bring all of that together in a more modern way. So when you start with a new client, do you um, do you explain all of this to them or do you let it sort of unfold organically? I I let it full unfold or organically. And here's why is because it's the practice that you learn from. Now, when you're meeting a new client, you have to know where is that client? Because everyone comes to yoga with some level of resistance. For some, it's physical. For some, it's mental and emotional. And for some, it's spiritual. So it's really looking at the whole person. I don't look at the person as just what can they do physically. I look at the whole person and then I look at the beauty of where they're at. What is the beauty where they're at? And then I bring that energy into what I'm teaching. So it's really important that we, you know, too many times I think we look at a client or a student at what they can do in their body. And this is what I was referencing earlier with the platform is the body's going to change. And I'm not looking at what can the body do. I'm looking at what is the beauty of what you can do. 
mm-hmm. and going from there because it's a very different mindset. It's a very different energy that you are bringing. I'm never looking at how can I fix you? I'm looking at how can I bring more joy and expression to what it is you can do? Mm-hmm. And that's working with the whole person. That's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Wow. That, I mean, you, you have so many different, it's such a blend of influences that, that you bring to the table, um, along the, the lines of that, that same conversation over the years, what, what has been the most interesting yoga practice evolution that you've seen, um, in your career and what do you think has and has not stood the test of time? Well, I can tell you, what will not stand the test of time. And then I'll kind of go backwards a little bit. So with the explosion of yoga, with the commercialization of yoga, and this goes as far back as before social media, where yoga started to be on every commercial. And I remember the first commercial I saw of someone was in uh, seated with their legs up against their head and wrapped up in rope. And it was for a yogurt commercial um, talking about yoga and it was for yogurt. And I thought that's the representation of yoga. And that started the commercialization of it. And I thought, whoa, yoga is really going somewhere. And then with social media, again, this, uh, this commercialization, this Westernization, although it, it is, I think besides making money, it's designed to um, bring more people, make it more accessible. But at this point, it's, it's marginalized to the point that it barely taps the surface of yoga's real intent. Mm. It's gone really, really far. And, and a lot of it is, you know, what's the latest marketing thing we can do to get people in to yoga, because that's what we do in the Western world. And so with that, I think that things like beer yoga, wine yoga, Uh, goat yoga, um, a lot of that are trends and fads and they will come and go and there'll be a new one. There'll be a new, you know, type of yoga. Uh, But what will stay and I think what's going to come back stronger than ever is yoga's real intent, which is the liberation of the mind. Mm -hmm. And with that, especially as we're looking at the next pandemic, which is mental health, I do believe that yoga's true intent of working with the mind and working with the spirit is what's going to, again, last forever because we that was yoga's real intent. And I think more and more people are going to want those tools that may seem a little um, uncomfortable to them, but in the end, as it starts to help them have greater peace of mind and a better sense of well-being, they're going to gravitate to it. Mm, that's super profound, uh, you know, to hear you call mental health mental health issues the next pandemic. It, you know, it's upon us right now. This pandemic is begetting the pandemic you to come that you speak of. Um, really interesting and and uh, yeah, I, I I'm wondering. You know, in in addition, what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions consumers have or even fitness pros who may not be practicing yoga or even those who are practicing yoga? What do you think some of the biggest misconceptions out there are among these people? I think most people and it's because, again, of the commercialization of yoga, 
People think yoga is about touching your toes, <laughs> but yoga is about touching your soul. It's about connecting to the deepest part of yourself and finding lasting peace. And so if we are only treating it as the asana, the yoga poses, and that's where we leave it, then that's what people are going to believe. I can't do yoga. It's not working for me. I can't touch my toes. I'm too stiff to do yoga. But if they leave the class or the, the working with a client with feeling this sense of a deeper part of themselves, that they're a deeper connection to everything, they're going to come back again and again and again. And they're going to realize who cares if you can touch your toes. And so that has more to do with um, the, the yogi or the instructor as a guide and how how the class unfolds for that person seems yes, like that. That comes back to meeting students where they're at. Mm -hmm. So if they're coming to you because they said, my doctor said I need to do yoga because my back hurts. Well, your first and foremost jobs, and this is what fit pros are so great about, is keeping that client or that um, yoga student in your class safe. That's mm -hmm. first and foremost, know your stuff, keep them safe. Mm -hmm. And then while you're keeping them safe, can you start to infuse in them working with the mind, working with the mind, teaching them how to uh, move through the discomfort, that it's not about no pain, no gain, because that's where most people are coming from. They're still in the Nike way of do it. Well, just do it. Mm. No pain, no gain. Push through it. Stretch that muscle. But it's no pain, no pain when it comes to yoga, but there is discomfort. We all know how uncomfortable yoga feels, and that's for a reason it's so that you can learn how to strengthen your mind through the discomfort of the body so that when you're teaching it, you can teach this. This is why breath is part of it. I mean, yoga has many tenets of how to take us deeper. The yoga postures are one, but teaching people how to breathe properly in those yoga postures is part of it too. And then part of it is, hey, teaching them to breathe noticing my mind has wandered. There it goes. I, this really hurts. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. Or I've, what's for dinner tonight? Or I can't wait till this is over. Noticing ah, that mind wandered and then returning back to the breath and turning back to the feeling of breathing through it. And what this does, rather than being a failure, rather than you're a failure because your body's uncomfortable, your mind is all over the place, you're successful because you noticed that your mind wandered mm -hmm. and you allowed yourself to come back to the present moment. So it's teaching people that in the present moment, everything's okay. You're here with your breath. Yes, there might be some uncomfortable, but you're not in the past thinking you know, about everything in the past, which quite honestly, when we get stuck in the past and we're wishing things are how they used to be, it can lead to depression. And when we're projecting into the future, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. How am I ever going to do this? I've got bills to pay. I've got this. It puts us into anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so our job is, can we bring them back to the present moment, to this breath and work through the discomfort? Because that through that, through the discipline is going to bring you the freedom. So, so the discipline it, brings you freedom. So as instructors, then it's first, do no harm keep your participants safe. And then sec two through 100 is spoon feed those different facets 
of of the practice that bring a person closer to to what the the practice is supposed to be about to begin with. Yes, that's a great recap. And I'm glad you said do no harm, because in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, which is uh, uh, the Yoga Sutras are really a kind of a blueprint of looking at yoga. The very first Ashtanga eight-limbed path, Ashta means eight, Anga means limb, the eight-limbed path is something called ahimsa, which is the science of kindness. It is do no harm. Mm -hmm. And so we start there. And at the same time, within those tenets, within those eight limbs, there's things like something called santosha, which is how to create calmness and contentment. Remember to appreciate what you have and see the perfection where in where you're at. So here you are. So what if you can't touch your toes? See the perfection. You've got this body and be grateful for this body that you have. And then also within it, there's something we call tapas, which is the, the zest, the zeal, the fire, the discipline to do the practice. So yoga has these beautiful answers for so many of life's questions. Mm -hmm. And if we can bring this in and help educate our students, it opens this wild and wonderful new world. So much more than just touching your toes. <laughs> so I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Um, I, I would love for you to share a bit about your specialized path of teaching women of all ages how to have a powerful body and peaceful mind without dieting or excessive exercise. I know that's a tall order in a world filled filled with all this mixed messaging, you know, social media, you mentioned it, it really muddles things. Um, how do you sort through all of that noise with clients to get them on the right track? Well, I think it goes back again to much of what we're programmed with. What are we listening to? What are we watching? What are we feeding our minds? Whatever we're feeding our minds is what we're going to be believe. And so the first thing I work with is the thought process of standing. You know, you need to stand guard of your mind because whatever you're putting in there, that's what you're going to believe. So it's first and foremost starts with that standing guard of your mind, because whatever your mind is thinking, the body will follow. So I'm always starting with the mind work. And with that, then it's teaching them that it, it look at the word diet, die. It's like not a good thing. So <laughs> right? it's learning to eat, <laughs> learning to eat in a way that makes you feel extraordinary, that treating your body as a temple is, is one of the greatest forms of self-care you can do. And no amount of exercise is ever going to fix a poor diet. So I first work with the mind of getting them, you know, thinking correctly and, and being conscious of what are they putting in their mind? What are you feeding your mind? Then working with them on how they eat in a way that is so delicious and so sustainable and, and at the same time, good for you and good for the planet. And then thirdly, moving your body intelligently for you for what your body is. So it's not a chore. It's not something you cannot stand to do, but it's something that you are so grateful to be able to do. Yeah, it's a beautiful, truly holistic approach. Okay, we're going to take a quick break from our interview to do a little housekeeping. Do you have a product or service you'd like to get in front of our audience? With 15,000 members and a marketing reach of 275,000 fitness pros, Idea Health and Fitness is your trusted marketing partner for reaching the fitness and wellness industry. 
Whether you're looking to drive awareness, engagement, generate leads, or increase sales, IDEA has targeted marketing vehicles and events to get your message out to our dedicated audience of certified fitness professionals. Let's work together to meet your business goals. Contact the IDEA brand activation team at sales at ideafit.com. That's sales at ideafit.com. Now let's get back to the interview. You know, aside from our competitive swimming backgrounds, which, you know, we, we share this, you and I also share a passion for plant-based sustainable eating plans, as you just mentioned, um, that serve both people and planet really well. Um, in fact, that's a big part of what you believe and educate others about, as we just heard. Um, I'm curious to know, how did this nutrition perspective evolve for you? And how have you seen your clients echo the message back to you? Well, I've always had a passion for vegetables. Lucky me. Me too. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, you know, and because my mom had a garden and, and, and that's what I was served as a child was plenty of, of vegetables. So it starts in the home and um, there is a trickle down effect. But then through my years of fitness and being a busy mom and, and juggling so many things, I found myself grabbing whatever I could. And although it may, I may have thought it was healthy, like I used to think a Starbucks Frappuccino was healthy, believe it or not, at one point <laughs> in my life. And now it sounds ludicrous. But, you know, there was a point where you, you kind of were like, OK, this many calories. I had that mentality that if I have this many calories then I'll have to work out this hard. If I work out really hard, then I get to have more calories. And, mm -hmm. and it was so much of it was based on that old paradigm of calories in calories out, which does have truth, but each calorie that we eat has a different level of what it stands for nutritionally. And is it truly nourishing us body, mind, and soul? So uh, I got very deep into looking at how I eat and I tried all the latest fads. Trust me, I was macrobiotic. I was vegetarian. Um, I, I tried so many different things and, I, and also vegan. And then what I realized is that all these labels are just labels because you can be a, a vegan and live on pasta and bagels and be as unhealthy as someone living on junk food. Sure. So it is what is the food that you are consuming that is helping your body thrive. So I got very, very deep into plant-powered foods. And I actually invested and helped open a chain of uh, superfood cafes called Beaming. And, and, and really our mission on that was to educate and have delicious culinary plant-powered foods, but educate along the way. So people could see how magnificent the foods that they eat can be and how great they can make you feel. And, and the education is really a key component to it because um, how can you up-level what you're doing? How can you make it simple and still be delicious and still fuel you body, mind, and spirit? So uh, that really got me on the path with it. And that's much of what I educate is whether you're, you know, a lot of people say, well, I already do a green smoothie. I have my fruit in it and I have, you know, some kale or spinach in it. And, and then, well, what else are you putting in it? Well, I help them. Are you adding fat, 
fiber, greens, and protein, because if you don't have that in that, you're not going to feel satiated. You're going to have it, and then you're going to want something else. So simple things of how can you up-level what it is you're already doing in a way that's sustainable and not so much work. So that, that's what I teach are really simple rituals to add into your day to up-level the things you're already doing really well. What is the beauty in what you're doing? And how can I add to that? How can I make it even better? So is this an approach you do on a, a one-to-one basis when you're working with a client? Or are you teaching classes about this? I'm just looking for some, maybe a, a couple of, of examples of how other fit pros can emphasize the power of nutrition with clients. And maybe, you know, up-leveling is one way to do it. But you know, what's the how-to, the um, how-to. of that? How, how, can, how can a fit pro go out and start doing this on Monday morning? Right. So meet yourself where you're at. If you're not doing it and you don't already know how to do it, make it part of your practice. Anything I teach, I believe has to be part of your lifestyle. So if you're just learning it right now, like what's she talking about, you know, adding, adding chia seeds or hemp seeds or whatever it is. um, If you're not doing it yourself and you're not experiencing that yourself and talking from your own truth and authenticity, don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't do it. So first and foremost, I live what I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. So I do it. I do it with my clients one-on-one. I also do it in retreats. Um, I teach cleansing with food. I don't believe in juice cleanses. I believe that we can cleanse with food and I teach how to cleanse with food. Uh, I teach again, these simple retreat, these simple rituals that you can do to bring down the inflammation in your body, understand which foods are inflammatory, which are the highest um, allergic types of foods, your gluten, your soy, your, you know, the foods, the, the sugar, the foods that are really creating inflammation in the body, really understanding that. And so first and foremost, whatever you're doing with your clients or with your training, it should be something true to you. And you should understand the education behind it. What is, what is it behind it that you're teaching? And, and it, that also no one way of eating works for everybody. Mm-hmm. There is not one way of eating that works for everybody. But what I will tell you is everybody can gain better health from more plants in their diet, more green leafy plants in their diet. Everybody, everybody can increase their nourishment from that. Amen to that. I love vegetables too, and I'm a gardener as well. So um, I love that, and I love that approach. Um, it, it's it really um, it is so important to be authentic and to speak about things that not just you know about, but that you are living and breathing and practicing on your own. Um, it just it makes it makes sense because you you're more empathetic that way. I think. Um, and I think it rings truer for your clients as well. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And look, everyone's in different situations. Everyone has different schedules, different economic realities. Uh, But if, if the more people go back to whole food type of eating foods that are coming from the garden, then, you know, it's going to be better for the health. It's going to be better for their health, better for their pocketbook, better for the planet. It's a win, win, win for everyone. Packaged foods, these engineered packaged edible foods are some of the most expensive in many ways, and they are the least nourishing for our body and our soul. 
Yeah, the, the super processed packaged foods are, um, you know, when you add in the, the cost of health or, you know, health maintenance on, on top of because you're eating poorly, that's when food gets really expensive. <laughs> and I don't and, think people put together that whole picture sometimes. And, and that's where your medical get bills get very expensive. You can pay for it now exactly. or you can pay for it later, but you're going to pay for it one way or the other. Exactly. Great point. Uh, so you mentioned pandemic earlier, and I did want to touch on this because it's everybody's reality right now. What has what connecting with your clients been like through the pandemic? And how, do you, how did you respond initially? And how, that, how has that evolved now that we're verging on about 20 months of this disruption with no real end in sight? Like most fit pros, it was a shock as you came home. And if you were teaching in clubs, I was teaching at um, Equinox, at Bay Clubs. Everything shut down. Your you no longer have classes. Um, everyone, I'm in California. Everything shut down. It, it was a shock. What am I doing next? I, you know, how are you going to pay bills? I took a moment. I did my yoga and meditation practice. I gave myself a little space, and. Then I decided what the thing that always heals me is to help others. Mm -hmm. and, and rather than sliding down that slippery slope of um, poor me, what am I going to do? I've helping others is what really heals me. And it's also that community unity aspect is what helps us all come out of it together. So uh, I was part of um, something called Fitness Works with which uh, the fabulous Lawrence Biscontini <laughs> initiated. It was a public service announcement and uh, what a phenomenal, phenomenal job he did at organizing a, really a, globally a lot of leaders to help get the word out to fitness pros who were struggling. I mean, some people didn't have health insurance. They were barely able to um, get groceries and pay their bills. I mean, it was a scary time to get out there and really help coach them from some of the leaders. And we did a public service announcement. We did a lot of complimentary and free trainings to mm -hmm. help them get on the path. So going out and helping others not only helped me get out of that slump, but it also inspired me as well. And uh, like many, I jumped on social media, started teaching, found that's not sustainable. Uh, it doesn't pay your bills very well. And then I decided that, you know, we can do one of two things that we can sit back and go, you know, I'm not going to make any mistakes. I'm just going to kind of stay where I am and standing still um, and just, hope something's hurry up and ends over. And that's the biggest mistake you can make is just to wait and hope it's all over. Go ahead and make the mistakes. So I made a lot of mistakes, um, getting myself set up online, all those like crazy <laughs> times. What is Zoom? How am I teaching on Zoom? How do I do this? Setting up a whole studio at home, which I have done and really embracing this online teaching. So I've been fortunately to teach at conferences all over the world now via mm -hmm. Zoom, have a Zoom platform with on-demand and, and really set my website up to have my classes that way, have my trainings that way. And it's it's been fabulous. And you know, one of the things for Fit Pros that I think we all have to remember is that we always have two options in life. We can either step forward into growth or we step back into safety. And the choice is yours. And I say step forward in growth because our industry is just a baby and it is 
constantly evolving and changing and embrace the change and step forward into the growth. Yeah. Two things you said there I really loved. One was um, that you took a beat. You you took a beat and you, you know, got centered. You weren't in a huge rush, but you knew you were going to do something, but you, you got your center first. And then um, unity through community, which is just... It's that's what the fitness industry is all about. And I've talked about 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 this with so many guests on the show um, so far that we really rely on the community, reach out to others, um, ask their opinion, get their help. This is a helping community and there's plenty of it out there for for listeners. If you're struggling, reach out to somebody um, who has more experience than you or who can at least offer a different perspective on what you're doing, but don't feel like you have to muddle through it alone. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in, also in terms of pandemic, um, how has this changed the way you and other yoga instructors adjust participants? Are, are you having to, obviously you probably are relying more on verbal cues than ever. Um, what are, what are some of the other challenges of versical, ver, verbal versus physical touch and how can instructors work around that successfully? Well, it's interesting through the pandemic, I heard this phrase called skin hunger, how so many people have not been touched there. You know, a lot of especially elderly people, just anyone living alone. There's there's no more touch. We don't shake hands. We maybe do a little elbow from far away, but we're not touching anymore. So people are really craving touch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we are a touching, you know, skin, skin to skin society. And so uh, it, it. the first thing is how can we touch in a safe way? Now, as we're coming out of the pandemic, you know, we still have to be very, very cognizant that a lot of people are fearful and they're unsure if they want anyone touching them. So it goes back to what we did before the pandemic, always ask permission and always, always ask permission whenever you touch somebody. But if we're still teaching online and now I'm doing both, I'm teaching live in person and I'm also teaching online. When it comes to online, we all know both in person and online, our very best classes are those that are visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, that we're using all three of those modalities to really reach our students. Mm -hmm. So even if you're teaching only online now, you're you're modeling more, you're showing the visual, your auditory cues have to go deeper. Mm-hmm. It can't just be enough to cue somebody into movement. You've got to cue them deeper, especially if you're a yoga teacher. It can't just be, you know, separate your feet three and a half feet apart. You've got to teach them how to draw in through actions in the body, through, you know, how to engage, where you're engaging, where you're letting go, and really using those words, which become very kinesthetic to help connect to the kinesthetic learner using more words uh, like warm, cold, touch, feel, also changing the pacing of your wording instead of talking really fast the whole time for your kinesthetic learner, learn how to pause, take a moment Mm -hmm. and then respond. And this is connecting to the kinesthetic learner. So it's really important that even though some of us are only teaching online or we're teaching in a situation where touch is not allowed and there's still a lot of places, no touching, 
no touching, that we still connect to our kinesthetic learner. And, and I hope sooner than later we are back into, because I back into touching students, your personal trainer, you know the power of touch. As a yoga teacher, you know the power of a, of a really beautiful touch and how it can transform someone's practice. It, yeah, it's, it sounds like, uh, you know, for at least the, the near term, we still will be virtual. And so um, I'm hearing from you that it's really important to be able to read the room or read what's going on um, in the room with your participants, whether it's one-to-one or a group, and then to, to vary your presentation style for different styles of learning. Is that right? Yes. So I, I think you encompassed it beautifully. And by the way, I don't think online's ever going away. I think the future holds hybrid no matter what. Sure. But what I would say is if, if you're a trainer, you're a yoga teacher, you're working one-on-one, you should know you should know the energy of who you're teaching. And if they're more of a kinesthetic energy person, when I'm talking to someone that I obviously know is kinesthetic, mm-hmm. they're a little quieter and they really take their time when they speak to you. I'm not going to come in all visual to them and try to work with them. I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask them, would you like to be touched in this pose so I can adjust you? Right. And I'm going to change my energy to meet their energy so they feel more comfortable. Right. And so it's really, again, yoga is so deep. It's about learning the energy of who are we working with. And if we're in the class setting, just know that we have a mix of all of that. So we have to bring in all of that to our classes. We have to be a great visual model. We need to have the auditory skills to speak clearly and guide them into the class. And at the same time, we need to have the vocabulary, the pacing and the tonality throughout the class to meet the kinesthetic learner. Because kinesthetic is not just physical touch. There's much more to that. So much wisdom and experience there. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm going to switch gears again uh, because there's just so much to talk about with you, Stacey. Um, I I love this line in your manifesto. I'm going to quote, um, education and activism are key ingredients to advancing the wellness revolution. If you would please describe your vision of the wellness revolution and give a few examples of how you endeavor to move things forward through education and especially activism. Uh, Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Yeah, that's that manifesto is part of a much bigger manifesto. So you took a a line out of it. I have that on my website if anyone's interested under the the manifesto. And it really goes through a lot of my thoughts on the wellness revolution. And so that's a very, very big topic. But it does it does touch on a lot of my beliefs as we move forward into the wellness revolution. And it goes back to much of my teaching again is um, working with the mindset, working with our um, eating and working with our moving intelligently and, and maybe a different perspective than a lot of fit pros have as we move towards the wellness revolution being a wellness revolution, not just individually for us personally who are in fitness, but a wellness revolution for everything, for the entire planet. Because I believe that what we do at the micro 
has to also benefit for the macro. Mm -hmm. And that's a business model analogy. However, it can work in this wellness revolution. And what I mean by that is what are we doing in our own homes? What are we doing personally? Because whatever we're doing personally and believing personally and taking action in our own homes, that is then going to benefit what's happening at the bigger, larger global planet. And so I, I'll, I'll give you an example. It's even teaching our children. So a lot of you may be parents out there or have kids. Whatever our kids are learning for us, the beautiful thing about having children is that whatever we are teaching them, they have the opportunity to go out and magnify that even bigger out in the world. So we have to be very careful about how we're educating our children, what beliefs they are learning from us, because whatever we're teaching them, they're gonna magnify it in the world. Mm -hmm. So we have to start at home. Then we have to start with our clients as well. And I'll give you an example of this, of going from the micro to the macro and how the wellness revolution can grow. I have a client, she, uh, I've been working with her. She has been a personal training client of mine for almost 20 years. My clients stick with me. And she is, she, in fact, she was the 2021 um, uh, leader of the year in the biotech industry. And uh, so she has a very big job. She's an entrepreneur, very big business. Uh, but she, her mind was all over the place. She could not sit still. Uh, I worked with her for years on just laying in Shavasana and not checking her phone and getting up. She's that. She's type A, 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 A. And, um, <laughs> and it's been a long process getting her to recover from that. But we're, we're there now. And she actually meditates. And it's, it's been transformative for her. But I started with her. I started with her of working this, meeting her where she's at along the way. And then she liked it so much, she brought me into a small group of her friends that she wanted me to teach. So I teach them in a small group and I'm teaching them the same thing. That worked so well, it started to grow. She brought me into her company. And so once a month, I'm teaching the same things I'm teaching, really mastering what I call the big three, how you move, how you eat, and how you think, to a company of scientists, of scientists who, you know, they want data. So everything I bring them has to be, you know, MedPub. Uh, it has to be, you know, data-driven. Evidence-based. Ev oh, so evidence-based. I mean, literally, I can't bring anything unless it was in MedPub, you know, the medical publication. So, but it's, it's brought into these, now these scientists, and it's growing just step-by-step. Step. It started, though, at the micro. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean of really to advance the wellness revolution, start at home. That's step one. Start with whatever's happening at home, grow it with your clients, grow it with their companies, and then let their companies start to be the activists that have a bigger pull mm -hmm. um, than you ever could imagine. Right. It's that ripple effect. It's, you know, starting with speaking your truth again and then widening that circle of influence and just watching it keep going. Mm -hmm. Super exciting. Um, on, on a kind of a personal note, Stacy, I know you're recovering from a serious cycling injury. Um, how have both the physical and meditative aspects of your practice and your nutrition philosophy and just your overall wellness um, beliefs, how has that helped with your recovery? 
thanks for asking about that. And I am recovering. So just so everyone knows, three days before Christmas 2020, the height of the pandemic in California, at least, um, I was riding my bicycle like I ride all the, all the time. The front wheel fell off. I went over the handlebars face first mm. into the pavement, uh, was knocked unconscious, uh, was woke up in trauma care. Oh. And uh, my face was uh, pretty gnarled up. And again, it was the height of COVID. So they stitched me up very quickly. And when they stitched me up, it still had a lot of asphalt and tar. So I've had to have many procedures. I might have makeup on now trying to cover it, but it was all up. It's my eye. And so it was pretty traumatic experience. This is now, gosh, eight months later, and I'm still having to to deal with some of the things. But one of the things that taught me and, and what how yoga and my meditation practice really reinforced is that, like I mentioned, so much of uh, so much of us in, in the media and even within ourselves is based on appearance and how our body performs. And you know, good or bad, our mindset is wrapped around that. And so again, it was a good reminder that, you know, I, I am not just my appearance. There's much mm -hmm. more in here than my appearance. And I continued, I've had injuries, you know, if you live long enough, you're going to have injuries. And throughout, you know, especially the last few years, I had a knee that I got pulled down from another activity. And so I taught on crutches, literally kept teaching. I taught with a big face shield over my face while my face was very gnarled because I was teaching outside and it couldn't see sun. And all my students know that it doesn't matter. I can still get up and you can still practice. You can still breathe. You move what you can and you do what you can. You don't stop you modify and you do what you can, no matter what's going on. Even if mm -hmm. you're in a hospital bed, you can do your breath work. Mm -hmm. You can move your fingers if that's able. You can work with your mindset. So that was one thing. And then the other thing, and, you know, I'm, I'm constantly a work in progress. You know, I am a type A recovering enlightened being in progress. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the other things that happened three days before the announcement for the the idea instructor of the year this year. I was still going through processes and I still had asphalt and tar that was in my eye and some things. And I got what I thought was just a little sty about a week before the award ceremony. But then that sty, which usually should go away in a few days, turned into something called calasians, which are like giant cysts mm. um, from the dirt and tar and, and things in my eye that turned into what looked like it was a cluster of them, like a giant wart over my eye. It was not pretty. Three days before the announcement, uh, I went into the eye surgeon and he had to flip my eye lid and basically put needles in it. I'm awake for all this, scrape it out, oh. flip it back. I came out of there and there was a post, on, I put it on my Instagram. I, I look like a pirate. I have this big white cover <laughs> over my eye. The next day I take it off. My whites and my eyes are covered in blood. I look like I was in a bar fight, black and blue. I'm like, holy smokes. Gosh, the idea awards are coming up. <laughs> your big moment. Are you my ready big for moment. Are you ready for my, your close-up, Stacey? <laughs> I, my close-up, you know, and I'm not supposed to wear makeup, by the way. I did it anyways. It was all good. But here's what here's what I realized in that. My eye, 
my immune system is, is challenged during all this. And anyone who's had an injury or an illness, you know, your immune system's working very hard. It's working overtime. So any viruses are going to show up. But the other thing I realized, it was my mindset. And what I noticed since the accident is that I was seeing the world differently. I would walk through my garden and a beautiful hmm. time of year. And instead of seeing the flowers blooming, I was noticing which plants were dying, what needed to be done. I would walk in and instead of seeing the beauty in the room, I would notice the work that needed to done, be done or wasn't quite right. Basically what was happening is I was seeing the world through angry eyes. Mm. That's what I realized. And the Kalasians and this, what was happening in my eyes was seeing the world through these angry eyes rather than seeing the beauty in the world. So. I'm a big believer in mantra work. I teach a lot of mantra work. And if you don't know what mantra is, mantra is a mind vehicle. It's where do you want to take your mind? That's what mantra means, mind vehicle. Where are you taking your mind? So I made a new mantra. And my mantra was, is I see everyone and everything with abundant joy and unconditional love, including myself, my health and healing. And every time I walked into a space, if my thoughts went negative, I would do my mantra. I see everyone and everything with abundant joy, unconditional love, including myself, my health and healing. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened? Your it began healed. to heal. Yeah. And, and these things are notorious for coming back again and again. But I have been working on the mindset. And, and so I'm a big believer in much of my teaching is the mind-body connection that what's happening in your body is a manifestation of what's happening in your mind. And if you get your mind, if you train your mind, your body will follow. So many great lessons um, through your personal pain, your self-realization. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'm glad you're on the mend. Um, I think you... Your, your beauty shines through no matter what. So um, thank you for sharing that. So Stacy, as we come to a close, sadly, I could talk to you for hours. Um, I, was, I was hoping you could first let folks know how they can get in touch with you to learn more about many projects you described to us today. Um, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes, everyone. But um, Stacy, if you would first give us website info, your social handles, and then if you could bring us home by um, leaving listeners with a parting thought about the fitness industry and how we can collectively move things forward. Uh, thank you, Sandy. And, and, and the same right back at you. I could talk for hours. I mean, these are all the things I love talking about. So the best way to really reach me is at my website, Yoga Namaste. So you know the word Namaste. Well, it's S at the end of it, it's A C Y, Stacy at the end of it. So Yoga Namaste. Or of course, you can Google Stacy McCarthy and eventually you'll get there. And that really has all my social media links Instagram, YouTube, and all of that, Facebook. And I would love to connect you however it is that you enjoy being connected. I also have a newsletter on there that I talk about mastering the big three, what the, I'm talking about today. And so I have some really wonderful rituals on there, very simple for a mastering lifelong rituals and how you move, how you eat and how you think. So please take advantage of that. And, and then you'll see, you know, different offerings that I have on there. But if I have something to really leave everyone with, uh, from my experience in this industry, it's that 
This industry is a baby still. We are still just a baby um, when we look at what we're doing. And right now, we're still very focused on the physical, which is so important. That's, that's you know, the physical is so important. But I believe that our industry has a great way to go into really working with the whole person. And I believe that is the direction that we're going uh, to really create and expand this wellness revolution and be a part of it. So I hope that all of you will have a passion towards moving beyond just the body into really working at with the whole person. And I hope I can be on that journey with you. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. And, and everyone out there, highly recommend visiting uh, Stacy's website, looking at her resources. Um, if you think this was a wealth of information, there's so much more out there that, that she is giving away, basically. So, um, Stacy, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today and hearing your great ideas. You are absolutely pure love and light and so grateful for your time and insights today. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. So great to see you and um, virtually see everyone else. So great to be here. Yeah. Cheers. Take care. Well, that winds up our conversation with Stacy McCarthy. Check the show notes for details about getting in touch with her and for any other resources mentioned on today's show. If you're not an IDEA member, learn more about how IdeaFit Plus membership is truly the mastermind asset that fit pros everywhere are choosing to push their careers forward. If we can answer any questions about how you can enjoy all of IDEA's incredible benefits and career tools, please visit ideafit.com or call our inspired service team at 1-800-999-4332 extension 7. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. The Idea Fit Pro Show is part of the Outside Inc. podcasting network. Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.